Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> like hearing that is like my heart just starts That's... singing. Like <laughs> Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, one-fifth of the Backstreet Boys tribute band Front Street Men, my brother Mike. We can do it. We can sing. We can dance. We look great for dudes in our 40s. And, you know, Front it's not a long show. back, all right. That's right. It's not a long show because we all get winded after about 25 minutes, but... Boy, it's a, it's erotic. Let me tell you, it is erotic. <laughs> gross. It's super gross. We uh, all wear anyway. jorts and fanny packs. <laughs> Talk a lot. Of, we have songs about our 401ks and mowing our lawns. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us. This is a special episode of Royals Weekly. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate having you. Now, on this special episode, we're going to talk about the one thing and only one thing, and that is the hiring of Matt Quattrero as the new Royals manager. Woo-woo! Uh, yes. Woo-woo! Uh, news broke from Jeff Passan on Sunday evening that the Royals had hired Matt Quattrero as the 18th manager in franchise history. After interviewing several internal candidates and a few external candidates, they finally arrived at Matt Quattrero, and they really had their pick. I mean, there were other guys who were seen as top candidates who interviewed with them. Dusty Wathen ended up staying with the Phillies, but Joe Espeta was out there and other guys were out there who they really could have chosen, but they went with Quatrero, who was often thought of as the front runner. Um, so now we're going to speak t- uh, for a while about what we think of the hire, but what we're much more interested in is what you think of the hire. And so if you're watching this on or listening on YouTube, leave us a comment down below telling us what you think uh, where you thought if you wanted somebody else, tell us why you wanted somebody else. Uh, yeah, just give us your thoughts on this hire because we're really interested in, in hearing those from you. Uh, if you're listening on a podcast app or one of the podcast apps, leave a comment or a review with your thoughts on Quatrero and the hire and where the Royals are going to go from here. Mike, get us kickstarted with this conversation about Quatrero. What are your overall thoughts about the decision to hire him instead of some of these other well thought of candidates? Well, if you remember when we first did our show on who we thought would be good replacements for both the pitching coach and the manager, I think we did that before Matheny was ever even let go, if I'm not mistaken. I could yeah. be wrong on that. We were, but we, we were ready. We were ready. Yeah. <laughs> Quatrero was on our list. We wanted him. We yeah. liked him. He comes from two really good organizations to kind of model the Royals model after in Tampa Bay and Cleveland. And that's his kind of background. He's been a bench coach for Tampa for the last few years. Before that, he was the hitting coach with Cleveland. I really like this pick. I I actually wanted him even a little bit more than Dusty Wathen, though I would have been fine with that one as well. I think this is a home run hire. Now, I, I don't think we'll quite know how good this hire is until we see the pitching coach that goes along with him. But I think it's a great place to start. Yeah, and just a little more background on Quatrero. He he ha- he does has a little bit of managerial experience in the minor leagues. I think he's coached two different um, A ball teams as a manager, um, but he was a hitting coordinator for the for the in for the Guardians for a while. He uh, was worked as a hitting coach in the Rays organization, I think, as well, and then came up through them and eventually mm-hmm. became bench coach. He was third base coach as well for the Rays, and then became bench coach with them. Um, a guy who's kind of universally respected as a player's manager, like loved by players is like the first thing that always gets mentioned about Quatrero. So I guess if you're having like, um, 
uh, a thought on like, well, what, what's the first thing a manager can do? He can be loved by his players, right? Like you want guy, you want a coach or a manager who players want to play for, not a guy who they dread playing for or seeing every day and that sort of thing. And so that little, you know, fairly small bar has been hurdled at the very least. Uh, to me, I, I sort of see this managerial hire as kind of like a two foot putt, right? I'm of the school that doesn't think that managers have an overly large impact on the game, but there are some things they need to do. And so, you know, I would have been fine with Dusty Wath and I would have been fine with McCullough from the Dodgers. I really liked Potrero mm-hmm. as well. And so, yeah, to me, this is a two foot putt, but I'm really relieved that they made this two foot putt, right? Because I think as Royals fans, we sort of expect the worst a lot of the times when it's like very clear what they should do. Everybody's like expecting them to like last second, we went out and we got Ozzie Guillen or last second, we went out and we <laughs> just found a manager out of nowhere. Like, um, and so for everyone to recognize, like, this is the direction you need to go and for them to actually do it to make that two foot putt is somewhat of a relief for me. And so I'm really glad to see that that took place. Um, a little bit more about what or Quatrero. What do you think he brings to the table as a manager? What are some qualities that Royals fans can hope that he brings and can look forward to seeing uh, in the dugout? Well, it's hard to say because he's never been a manager at the major league level. Okay, but you can take a look at the organizations that he's worked for and seen what they do. And I'm excited for one thing very in particular that the Rays do a lot of and that they succeed at. And that is platooning. Okay, the Rays platoon or have a platoon advantage almost more than any other team. They're top like five all the time. And it helps their offense. They were, t- I think they were one of the top league in the league in 2021 in offense. I don't, I think they slipped a little bit back this year, but um, I want to see how he can utilize those platoon splits. And then also as a hitting coach, we have a lot of young hitters. He can at least, uh, I hope help them or at least not hurt them in their development, if that makes sense. Because I think the Royals have a good hitting coach at the major league level. They, they do it well throughout the organization. Um, but I would like to see, Hey, let's not do things that are going to hurt them. Let's make sure that when they come up, they have opportunities to actually hit, not pointing at anybody else. Mike Matheny looking at you. <laughs> um, and so that that's going to be a big thing for me. And then of course he's coming from two organizations that are known as pitching factories. And so that's going to be, in the, and that's why I think the selection of that pitching coach and not only that, the person who's going to kind of, let's see how it kind of shakes out in the pit, whole pitching development scene, not just the pitching coach at the major league level, but the whole scene for the organization. Yeah. I think it can't be overstated the importance of what platoon or like platooning as an advantage that the Royals should be taking advantage of because of the fact that they have a limited budget. So the Rays have an even more limited budget than the Royals often. And so, but yet they still get the most out of their offense. They squeeze as much as they possibly can out of it by heavily platooning their players. They understand that to go out and sign a guy who only hits lefties or to trade for a guy who only hits lefties and plays good defense is way cheaper than going out and signing a guy who, you know, can hit both or something like that. You know, they can identify guys who can give them some value in some way. So, so what does Quatrero bring to the table? He brings like an comfortability with analytics, a comfortability with the vision of a type of team that needs to operate on a small budget and squeeze every bit of value out of whatever lineup, whatever roster they have. And that's what the Royals are going to do or going to try and do, right? They're going to try and squeeze all the value out of whatever roster they can put together money-wise. And it makes much more sense to have a guy who understands the value of platooning, who understands the value of developing players internally. Matheny, for you know, as much 
criticism as he got, I thought that one of the most important ones was that he's not really used to developing young players. Like he, he's a veterans guy and he was always a veterans guy. And that was his, you know, MO in, in, in St. Louis. And that was his MO when he came here, it wasn't really clear how he understood, like how you could bring guys in and that also platoon really effectively. He just never seemed to get it about how best to deploy a roster that you have. And so I'm excited to see what he, he can do as a guy who has experience in organizations that have success on a limited budget that utilize analytics. And it seems like I think they wouldn't hire a guy like this unless they knew that he understood the vision of this front office very clearly. So it's going to be J.J. Piccolo, and it's going to be Cotrero, and it's going to be John Sherman, and, and that group of people, they're going to have to say, we have this vision, and it involves developing players through the minor leagues. It involves leveraging our what we're good at developing at, and it involves sort of centering our team around player development. And I think he's a great guy to do that as he's been in the player development world as a hitting coordinator, as a hitting coach and all that. Yeah. One, another thing that I think really helps me anyway, is at least when he puts a lineup together, a bullpen usage, starting rotation, all that sort of stuff, you'll be able to see the, the plan. You'll be able to understand what's going on. And I also think moving forward, this is more of a JJ Piccolo front office kind of thing, but with him involved in this, is they won't be bringing people onto the roster unless you can for sure see their value, right? It's not going to be like, oh, we're hanging on to Ryan Hearn because he's a Hearn because he's a real good guy, or you know, you know that sort of stuff kind of gets us. Or hey, we brought up this person just because we're going back to their hometown, or you know, like like shit that they, this organization has been doing because they were with under Dayton Moore. He, the one thing that he really loved was players and. And, and helping them out in any way that he could. And, and that's great. But I think moving forward, we're going to see more of a value-based approach in roster construction at the major league level. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> like hearing that is like, my heart just starts that's, singing. Like, <laughs> like I, I really hope I, I, now it could be completely wrong. Of course it's possible. It, it happens. Right. Could be completely wrong, but you know, and that's the thing, like, I don't want to like dog on Moore's I love players, loyalty to players thing, because that's good. It's good to be good to players. You should treat them well, but you should also be really loyal to fans. And what fans want is winning. And you can't, you can't, it's loyalty to fans first. It's loyalty to the players right after that, in my mind. Right. And I know that Moore doesn't see it that way. I think he has kind of a disdain for fans and thinks like, you know, Ugh, this this business would be great if it weren't for the fans. I, I think he has that mindset. That's not. I'm sure it's very common in professional sports to have that mindset, right? Because they know more than 99.999% of fans. They just know, you know, it's it's hard to sort of respect the fan who thinks, well, why don't you just trade, you know, Alberto Mondesi for Mike Trout, you know, or trade something for like that. Judge. You know? Yeah, just exactly. And so I get that, but to me, it's like be loyal to the fans first by getting results. And anybody who's not going to help you do that needs to not have a job anymore. And so ultimately, that's why Dayton Moore is gone. That's why Mike Matheny has gone. That's why Cal Elder is gone and why Matt Contrero is in here. Right. And hopefully he sort of takes that and runs with it and says, this is a results oriented business. We are going to get results or I'm not going to have a job anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I find most compelling about this hire is what it may signal about the organization. You know, I'm I'm. I'm of the mind. I'm a big like managers and eh, their, their value is right here, but I am interested as to like, what does it mean for the Royals moving forward? Does it show us what Piccolo and Sherman in the front office are going to be doing moving forward? Do you think the hire says something about how Sherman and the org will do things moving forward at all? I do. I, I think it's a clear signal that 
he he wants to model this organization after a very small few other organizations, the Guardians, the Rays, the A's, those types of, of programs that have had winning success without spending a whole lot of money. I think that's exactly what he wants to do. I think he knows that analytics is the only way to really do that, to have a consistent winner um, and, and do that effectively. I don't know. I do, you and I, and you and I were talking about this the other day. I don't know if that means, you know, Matt Quattrero, I think helps that, but I don't know if that means the Royals fans are going to necessarily get what they want this off season. Right. I don't necessarily know if that means if they're going to be pushing to compete this year, which hurts a lot, hurts me anyway. I makes me feel like a punch to the stomach, but I kind of understand that if you're, if, if this is the big overhaul that you need, it may take a year or two to even put the structures in place, let alone seeing the results. So for Matt Crotero, I hope we can see some small things here and there in how he builds a lineup, how much is he platooning, how he deploys his bullpen and starting rotation, uh, all that sort of stuff. But I'm not expecting him to come out and be like the difference in 30, 30 wins up and down or anything like that. Right. Managers just frankly do not have that kind of impact. Um, now, him taken in, you know, with a, a pitching coach change, him taken with, you know, these certain changes, yeah, that might have the somewhat significant, not 30 games, you know, could it have a 10 game impact? Maybe, right? Like it could maybe have a 10 game impact if they get a really good pitching coach in here as a result of having Quattrero, you know, and, and that sort of turns around the starting rotation to a degree. Um, but yeah, you're right. I think I, I love that point. I think it's really important that it does signal that they're, you know, interested in, you know, they may, they may be sort of delaying that rebuild a year or two. But it might ultimately take, a, and I hate that, right? I think they should be out spending in free agency. I'm putting together a video right now for our YouTube channel. Check that out. Subscribe to that YouTube channel about the top five starting pitchers that I want, that we want the Royals to target this offseason. I still think they should do that. But it might be a couple of years before everything is in place. The thing that I think it signals is that most importantly is that this is no longer going to be a loyalty dedicated team. It is going to be a results based team again. And that's ultimately what needs to be needs to take place. I also think it focuses or it sort of signals, hey, we're about internal development. You know, we're going to really focus on internal development. We're going to focus more on data-driven development and methods. And you're right, model ourselves after the Tampa Bays, the Clevelands, the Oaklands, and things like that. But I also think the way that they're going to want to do it is going to be a little bit different than how someone like I hear people are going to hear Oakland and be like, no, I don't want to do that. Like it's going to be a little different than how Oakland does it. I think, I think they're going to try and rock the model. That's like, let's be consistent enough to get in the playoffs frequently. And then the playoffs are a crapshoot. So we'll see, maybe we win a world series in there here and there. Right. Um, I think that's sort of what they would love to do. Like rock the Cleveland model. That's like get in the playoffs. Hope we have some good pitching that can carry us there. And maybe we'll make it to a World Series and maybe win it. You know, like I mean, um, I mean that's the Rays model too. It is. <laughs> they do it, really it better than the, than the yeah. Guardians do. It is. It is. Like, uh, <laughs> like name now. Dude. What are the what are the Rays? The Rays have the disadvantage of also being in the division with the teams that can spend a billion dollars. So yeah, you know that model we may work a lot we're, better we're in the AL Central. <laughs> honestly, yeah, no kidding. Um, we'll see, and that that also signals more transaction. I mean, the Rays are the most transactional team. Maybe maybe Oakland and them, the most transactional teams that there are, right? And so maybe that signals that the Royals will start to be a little bit more transactional as they sort of oh, move, player, so. move players before they, you know, lose all their value and, and stuff like that. I would love that. You know, it's hard sometimes because you get attached to players, but I'm attached to the team more than I'm attached to any one player. And so 
you know. I did want to mention that pitching coach uh, thing. I saw a report that Quatrera will, will have a say in the hiring of the pitching coach. Mike, what kind of impact do you think that has on the team as a whole? And where do you think, what do you think that might mean for who the pitching coach is? I think it is uniquely huge for the Royals because of if you're going to reclimate any of those arms that have already pitched in Major League Baseball that we were counting on, the Daniel Lynch's, the Chris Bubich's, the Carlos Hernandez's, the uh, Coars, you know, any of those guys, even continue to see growth from Brady Singer. If you're going to do that, this guy is going to be hugely important. And I may, I might not say that if it were a different organization, because there's not many organizations that had that kind of wave of arm talent come up to major league baseball in the last two years, the Royals, all of their pitching talent is either in triple a or major league baseball right now, Mm -hmm. or at least that's how it looks. Now, hopefully they can bring in somebody to help with the development as well. And we can fix some of those things with Asa Lacey and, and, you know, Bolin and, and uh, hard throwing guy. Alec Marsh. Marsh. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so hopefully that happens. But right now, if you just take a snapshot of what the Royals have, all of their pitching talent is in major league baseball or triple a. And so he's going to have a, this might be a more important hire than the manager. I think <laughs> like, it is. Honestly, I think that that's a more important it, hire. Mean, and I'm happy. I'm happy if Quattrero has some say in that because he's seen, he's been with the last two organizations he's been with do it better than anybody else. Yeah. That's, that's sort of why I think it's most important. Like Quattrero has connections to two of the best organizations at pitching development in baseball. And so if he's going to be a part of that pitching coach decision, not only does that mean, Oh, he can have a say in who they go with. He can be in on those interviews. It also means, Oh, Pitching coaches might be more attracted to coming to this situation if Quatrero is there and says, yeah, we're going to build something here. You know, come come work with me. Come work mm-hmm. with me at making this team into something special. Because we saw in 14 and 15 what this city gets like when this team is special. Come here. We'll build something. Will we ever have a payroll like the Yankees or the Dodgers or anything like that? No, but we're going to build something really special here, you know, that can, that can sustain that we can continually compete for playoff spots. And you can be a part of that. You can, you know, I think that's a pretty big, I think that's a sale and he, and you know, he's supposed to be a guy who has great judgment. If you're a guy who has great judgment and you've seen, you know, what it's like when it's done in Cleveland and you've seen what it's like when it's done in Tampa Bay, you know what to ask these candidates, you know what you're looking for and what they say about how pitching coaching should be done, what should be utilized, how guys should be talking to players, how people should be partnering with private organizations that they're working with in the off season and all those sorts of things, you know what you're listening for. Okay. Uh, If you've ever hired anyone in the world, like I've been on hiring committees and things like that. And I sit there and I'm looking for particular phrases for particular ideas that I think are effective for that position. He'll be doing the same thing only with the experience of having worked with the Rays and the guardians of this, which is as good as it gets. Right. And so hopefully I'm so, I'm really glad that he's going to be a part of those conversations because we don't have a track record of Piccolo. Piccolo's never hired a pitching coach in that way. And so, you know, the more, the, the more, the merrier in terms of brains working together to make, cause you got to get this pitching coach hire, right? Like you got to, otherwise you're in big, big trouble. Yeah, I agree completely. And and I'm maybe more excited to hear about who that is than I am the manager. One quick thing I wanted to mention, just cause I thought it was interesting. Quattrero went to ODU. Old Dominion, baby. Guess who? Who else went to Old Dominion? Did we not mention that? Who else went to Old Dominion? Vinny Pasquantino. The the Pasquatch. Pasquatch did, baby. They're just going to be sitting down there talking about 
the quad. I don't really know what ODU has, but it'll be fun. I don't. I don't know. I've been. I've been to their campus. Uh, it's lovely. It's, it's probably um, older than dirt. But yes, uh, yeah, <laughs> it is older than dirt. All those yeah. universities out there are older than dirt, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. Oh, he's an he's an old Dominion guy. Never he's actually played in Major League Baseball. He no. uh, made it all the way to Triple A, Triple A, but ne- never actually made it. Um, so yeah, very interesting history. I'm sure him and Vinny P will reminisce about the. The old days out there, and I forget exactly where ODU is. Uh, Me too. I just know mind, they're the Monarchs, right? Yes, they are. I think so, but yeah. I can't remember that either. I think they're the Monarchs. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, Matt Quattrero, very excited. Just real quick before we end here, give it a grade. What What are we talking? A. Oh, okay. B. Uh, C. I gotta go. I gotta go. A. I gotta go. A. I'm not an easy grader when it comes to this type of stuff. He was the one, the guy that I wanted. I wanted him, or I wanted Dusty Wathan, probably. Uh, one for Quattrero and one A for uh, Wathan. And so he was the guy that I really, really wanted. So yeah, right. I'm giving it an A. All right. I, I'm going to give it an A as well. There's just, in my mind, there's, they, I can't, there's no, uh, there's no one else where you'd say like that guy would have been better in my mind because I don't think it would have. There was a tier of about no. three of them where I was like Wathan, Quattrero. I don't think Espada was really ever in for the Royals. Um, but those three, I would have been like, yep, those are the three. I want. Oh, McCullough too. Actually make it four. I've been very happy with McCullough as well. Um, but yeah, a-, a for me as well. Great job by the Kansas City Royals. Great job by Piccolo. We want to end this week's episode, actually not with our just about outside segment, but with a special thank you segment. Uh, if you, if you're on Royals Twitter, you know, and you follow Royals Farm Report, then you know that Alex Duvall, who is the editor in chief of Royals Farm Report, the host of the Royals Farm Report podcast. Uh, and who has been on our show a few times, the only guest we've ever had on our show, um, uh, announced that he was going to hang up podcasting and writing for the website uh, for Royals Farm Report. So he will no longer be hosting Royals Farm Report podcast or, or writing and editing for their website. Um, we just want to say a special thank you to Alex uh, because he has done so much to help promote Royals Weekly. He's come on as a guest. He's brought us on his show. He's let me write for Royals Farm Report for many years you know, I've had an amazing time creating content with him. He is an amazing content creator. And we luckily, he's going to keep running the um, Royals Farm Report Twitter account. So if you don't, go out and follow that because it is just a wealth of information. It's a gold great, mine, people. Oh, it's tremendous insight. Mine. Alex has a brilliant baseball mind and is a great evaluator of talent. And so uh, he does a great job bringing stories about minor leaguers to life. And so... Uh, Follow that account, that Twitter account, if you, if you haven't already. But a big thank you to Alex Duvall. Uh, he has been just a wonderful person for this Royals content creator community, constantly bringing people together, constantly creating connections. And you know his warmth and 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 kindness and and insight, I think, will be missed. But we're going to try and get him on the show as much as possible because he has an open invitation. <laughs> we're still going to make him. We're still going to come. We're still going to have him come on. But uh, I did want to thank yeah. him and give a special thank you to him because he deserves as huge a thank you as we could give anybody in the Royals content creation community. He has been running Royals farm report, helped found it, been running it since 2017 creates draft guides, creates so much stuff for Royals fans to make this stuff fun and interesting and give even more and give and give and give. And uh, he, he deserves a huge, huge thank you from, from anybody who's ever consumed uh, the content he's created. Yeah. We love you, Alex. Congratulations on a great run and enjoy that extra time with your family, man. Yep. All right, we, we will come out with another fairly regularly scheduled episode here in about uh, 10 days, around November 10th. Uh, that'll be one month since our last one. But thank you so much for joining us. Remember to comment on YouTube down with who, what you think about the Quattrero hire. We're really interested in hearing what you have to say. 
uh, like and subscribe and all that stuff. Let's leave reviews on the podcast apps, and we will see you next time. Until then, be good to each other. Go Royals. <laughs>